sound of freedom. Amen. Amen. One of life's mysteries, sir. What a great line. Haven't seen it yet. How many have seen it? Yeah, it's a good movie, isn't it? So good. Uh, It is one of life's mysteries. Here's the dilemma. We love this nation so much and yet hardly recognize it. And David's got something to say about that. So grab your Bibles with me and let's turn to Psalm 39. Happy to be your vacation destination this weekend. It is still the greatest nation on the planet. Amen. We'll get through it. And Psalm 39 is going to help. So good to see you here. I hope you have just a wonderful day and great holiday weekend. Uh, But this is true freedom right here, this table that is set before you, and we'll celebrate communion together uh, and have some fun uh, weaving our way through these 13 verses of the 39th Psalm. Um, I feel like with each of these psalms, now, now really 39 into it, um, and a fair bit to go, but we're almost done with book one. Um, book one here, and the, the psalms are sort of divided into books, and, and book one, uh, if you're new to the Bible, welcome. If um, you've kind of like always been familiar with it, yeah, the psalms have always been there, kind of tucked in, obviously, here in the center, heart, middle of the Bible, Uh, and in so many ways provides for us a nav, um, a compass uh, for whatever life is throwing our way, and uh, some of you faced with enormous challenges, uh, some physically, some economically, some relationally. This, This is a psalm for you. And, and I feel like with these psalms, with each one of them now, and just spending the time, you know, for me, the psalms was always tucked into the back of my New Testament. There it was. It was sort, sort of like a bonus. You got the New Testament and you got the psalms thrown in there at the end. But to, to take the time that we have together and, and, and just to unpack them, to really study them in their context... I'm reminded of a great quote from C.S. Lewis. And uh, Lewis says in the midst of the Chronicles of Narnia, he says, further up, further in. And the more we get into these psalms together, I, I find myself just sort of resonating with that quote. Further up, further in. And you might think that quote was given at the beginning of the Chronicles of Narnia, like when the wardrobe opens up right and they venture in and discover this new land and the adventure that awaits for them but the quote isn't at the beginning of the chronicles of narnia it's not with lucy and susan and peter at the beginning when walking into the wardrobe it's at the end of the chronicles it's in the last battle it's actually in the new narnia when they arrive in heaven and here what a glorious picture for us that when we arrive in heaven, let me just remind you, set your hearts at ease this morning, it's not going to be boring. It's going to be further up and further in. 
And this psalm certainly delivers on that level. Look what it says. To the chief musician, a psalm of David, I said, I will guard my ways. What a declaration. What a, what a psalm. What, what, a, what a commitment. What a promise, guys. I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. Isn't that a good one? It's a good one for the golf course. I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. Look it. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. <laughs> with a muzzle. Uh, while the wicked are before me. So what he's realizing is. Now listen, this is David. This is King David. This, 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 this is a guy who, regardless of whether or not at this particular moment in the 39th Psalm, we're not exactly sure where this one lands in his life, might be already on the throne, might still be waiting uh, for Saul to vacate what he has already been anointed to fulfill. We know that's the case. Samuel's already gone to the house. He's visited Jesse at the residence and he's anointed David to be king. Listen, here's the point. David could say whatever he wants to say. He could say whatever he wants and yet he says, I don't want to wreck my witness. He says, I, 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 I want to muscle my mouth. I, I want to guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue, especially when the wicked are before me. When, when is that? Well, that's pretty much all the time with a few exceptions. The non-believers, the non-Christian that are watching our lives, that are, that are listening to our words, and David says, I don't want to wreck my witness I'm going to restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was, I was mute with silence. So he zips it. He, 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 he puts a guard on it. And we're not, for, we're not for sure how long. It might be a day, might be a weekend, might be a week, might be a month. He's just mute. Remember Zacharias? It's like for nine months didn't say a thing because he doubted the promises of the angel that his wife Elizabeth was going to give birth to John the Baptist. And the angel said, you're, you're, you're zipped, man. For nine months, you're not going to say a thing. And so he, he's, he's, he's like, he's, he's meditating, he's thinking, he's pondering, he's not speaking and neither is David. He's mute with silence, and he held his peace even from good, it says in verse 2. And my sorrow was stirred up, and my heart was hot within me. And while I was musing, the fire burned. Well, it was just sort of like percolating there. It was kind of reaching a level of just sort of like overflowing, right? It's like he's meditating, he's musing, he's thinking, he's not speaking, and then he does. Then I spoke with my tongue. What's he say? Look what he says. Look at this. Verse 4. Lord... Make me to know my end. What is the measure of my days? Make me to know my end. 
Now, I don't think he's so much talking about death. This isn't going to be a morbid talk. I think more than death, he's just asking for understanding. It's like, I don't want to wreck my witness, and, and, and folks are watching my life, and I do very much desire to be a man after God's own heart, and he's asking for understanding and is searching for meaning. Is that not about as relevant as it could get in today's culture? He is, he's asking for some understanding in his search for meaning that he may then as a man lay hold of it. He's like, Lord, haven't spoken in a while kind of been enjoying the literalness of some quiet time around here, decided not to wreck my witness with the words that I choose and have put a muzzle on my mouth, but now, Lord, here's what I have to say. I have to say this. I, I, I just want your help with this in mind to this end, Lord. Help me to understand the meaning of it all. What are we doing? What's the measure of my days? That I may know how frail I am. Crazy isn't how frail we are. Isn't it true? Right? I was with some friends this morning. I just said, you know what? It's so true. They say that growing old is not for the faint of heart. Right? Anyone agree with that this morning? Yeah? Like we're frail. Help me to know my end, the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths. My age is as nothing before you. God's eternal. And you, you're going to, in leaving this place, in leaving this planet, you're going to finally discover that you too also are eternal. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. It's not one and done. It's one and forever. And yet here in this moment, in this space, in this blip on a radar screen, he's like, I am really nothing more than than a, than a hand breath. My age is nothing before. You're, you're eternal. I'm, I'm, I'm very frail. I'm very... I'm very limited here. Certainly every man at his best state is just a vapor, just but a vapor, he says. Vapor is a word for breath. And then he says, selah, which incidentally is a word for breath. Selah, the best way we can describe it, the best way we can translate this amazing, interesting Hebrew word that David uses over and over again in the Psalms, probably best translated means pause. Just pause and soak that in. But, but specifically, sort of like practically, it means breathe. Just breathe that in. So it's a play on words. What he is saying is your life is a hand breath. It's here and it's gone. It's just a vapor. Take a breath. Selah. Every man at his best state is just a vapor. Just take a breath. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. 
He's just sort of like walk, watching as everyone's kind of going about their business, you know, in the hustle and bustle of life in the marketplace. is sort of like that quote from last weekend where the robin says to the sparrow, why are they running around and worrying so much? And then the sparrow says back, or the robin says back to the sparrow, or whatever. It's just like to say, well, maybe they just don't have a heavenly father in heaven that takes care of them like he takes care of us. That's what David is recognizing here. He's like, everyone is just scurrying about. But where's the meaning? Where's the meaning of it all? Why are we here? What is it really all about? Because even at our best, we're but just a vapor, but, but, but a breath. He goes like, but, 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 but. But take a breath and find some meaning. Lay hold of it. Surely every man is just walking about like a shadow, busying themselves in vain and heaps up riches. He says, look at, they're heaping up riches like sandcastles at the beach this weekend. Heaping up riches and doesn't know will gather them. And now, Lord, now, Lord, verse 7, what do I wait for? Do you just like sense the, the, the deep longing? He's like wanting some answers to all of us. Just like, what, what, do I, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. That, there's his declaration. There's his anchor. Remember last weekend, if you were here, it's like anchored from above, and we dropped the rope. No rope today, but uh, I had so many people that are like, oh, I missed the rope. I'm like, were you, weren't you here? They're like, no, I was here. I just wasn't watching. Hello? Hey. It's like dropped in, it's like, like and, and David is now securing himself to the rope and realizing he's been anchored from above. Listen, listen, don't anchor here. Don't anchor here. Anchor there. And he's like, my hope is in you. That's what you're declaring when you celebrate communion with us this morning, family. This is a family meal. And it's a family meal for those, listen, only who are declaring what, 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 what? Say it. My hope is in you, anchored from above. Amen? Yeah. T-shirts. I'm saying it, T-shirts. My hope is in you. Deliver me from all of my transgressions. And don't make me the reproach of the foolish. I, I was mute. I didn't open my mouth. Because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. I'm consumed by the blow of your hand. And, 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 and when with rebukes you correct man for iniquity, you make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is just a vapor. Just a breath, it's just a breath, just a short, limited time right here. Just, so what are you gonna do with this? What? He's like, breathe, breathe, Selah, breathe. And, and then he says, verse 12, hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry, and don't be silent at my tears, for I'm a, I'm a stranger with you. I'm a stranger, this isn't home. I'm, 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 a, I'm a sojourner. As all my fathers were, if you have the NIV, some of you have the NIV open on your lap right now, alien is the word. I'm an alien here. This isn't home. I'm anchored with you. I'm anchored above. And then he says the strangest thing. This is one of those psalms that it's, this, its ending is showing that he hasn't yet quite arrived. 
The end of this psalm, look at verse 13. Remove your gaze from me. Remove your gaze Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength. He's like, you're, you're wiping me out here. I'm just like filleted. Would you stop looking at me? Look away. Killing me, Smalls. Wiping me out. Remove your gaze that I may regain my strength. Before I go away, before I'm just like over and I'm no more. And so he just sort of ends with this quandary of a questioning heart he does david does because he's human and as much as he nailed it earlier i mean a solid decree and claims that in you i put my hope that was back up in verse seven now it's as if he has wandered a bit from the path church it's gotten a little bit lost and he's like Look away, which actually sets up Psalm 40 brilliantly. That'll be next weekend. Where he ends off in 39 is what sets up where ultimately he, he, he finds himself in 40. Re- read ahead. Check it out. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that together next weekend. But, but fascinating. Psalm 39. And really, and quickly, um, from four aspects. But maybe this is like one of the most intellectually analyzing chapters of the Bible. Where he brings some things before the Lord. As maybe we also should do. Just kind of follow suit. Whether you're students, home for summer break. Some grad students here, some pre-med students here, some military here, some medical here, some law enforcement here, some bankers here. Looking at this chapter, just applying it to your life as a husband, as as a mom, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, he, he brings four things before the Lord. His tune, his tune, what's gonna be your tune? What song are you going to sing? His tune is his time. His time. What are you going to do with your time? His, his treasures. And that's all money is. You know, it's just like, what are you going to do with that? It's a toolbox. What are you going to do with that tool of, 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 a, of a treasure? You're going to invest that in. What do you use that for? Certainly you're not here because you want to just blow it all, waste it all. Vegas is the number one destination for the 4th of July weekend. Does anyone get that? You don't want to waste it all. You don't want to blow it all. So what will be your, what will be your, what will be your tune? What will you do with your time? your treasure, and ultimately your target. His target, verse seven, my my hope is in you. Then he loses sight of his target. Towards the end of the psalm, he loses sight of the target. Will you lose sight of your target? Will 
maybe one of those most intellectually probing, analyzing psalms in all of Scripture. And really is the thread, the thread throughout the psalms is this longing for meaning, this further in and further up probe of just kind of wondering, what are we doing? What are we doing? The, the, the meaning of it all. And I, I don't know if it could even be more relevant than that where, where we find ourselves in this culture and society. With folks beginning to like really question this from various different angles, is, is meaning something that we manufacture? Is, is the meaning of our life something that we determine, something that we're the captain of? I'm the captain of my own ship, man, okay? Is, is, is meaning something that we manufacture, or is, is, it, is, it, is it environmentally produced by what surrounds you? Is it, is it society? Or does it come from your maker, the maker of heaven and earth? Is, is, is meaning, I don't mean to get like crazy philosophical with you this morning, but I just, I think this is what David is getting at. He's like, is the meaning of my life something that I manufacture or is the meaning of my life something that I've received from my maker, from the maker of of meaning, the one who has all of the means to speak into the meaning, is that where I'm getting my purpose and significance and value and meaning from? So many today want to say, that's self-determined. That's self-contrived. Or is it sovereignly prescribed? And I think finding the answer to that this morning is so freeing. It's, it sort of like stops the confusion of this day in its tracks. The moment you can say, my meaning comes from above. I have been shaped and fashioned and made in the image of God. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He, he makes no accidents. Church, he makes no mistakes. And my meaning comes from... Instead of trying to somehow manufacture it on, on my own, if you can find the answer to this, what David is searching for in Psalm 39 is an enormous value to you. I would say it's, it's absolutely true freedom. Otherwise, you're just going like to leave it up to chance. Here's, here's, a, here's a screen. Look at this. What do you see? What do you see in the screen? Do you see a vase or do you see faces? How many saw the vase first? How many saw the faces first? See, if we leave it up to us, you're going to have all sorts of random answers in this multiple choice of a life. How about this one? How about this screen? How about that? Bunny? How many saw the bunny? How many saw the duck? Come on. Ducks? Bunnies. We're like half and half in the room right now. We're like, I saw the vase. I saw the faces. I'm... I'm there's the duck. Oh, I saw the bunny. Now, how about this one? How about this one? How many see this young, this young lady 
looking, looking away, looking aside? Yeah, how many see her? Come on, don't lie in church. How many see the old lady? The old lady almost looks like the wicked witch from Snow White. How many see her? How many see her? Few of you see her. Most see the young lady, right? Yeah? Liberals, conservatives, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> is it, what is it? Maybe this will help. You're like, I don't see the old lady. Now do you see her? Now you kind of, now you see her. There's her mouth down there and she's kind of like, well that, now that's like clearly obvious and all of a sudden you're like, now I can't not see the grumpy old lady, right? But if we leave this all up to us, you're gonna like leave, leave the meaning of life up to our own choices, you're just kind of like, we leave it up to ourselves. You leave this up to chance. You leave this up for the majority to sort of like woo you into their side as to whose team you're going to play on. Team Bunny, Team Duck, Team Young Gal, Team Old Wicked Grant. No, 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 listen, if we leave it up to that, we're back to the garden. We're back to a really bad day in the Garden of Eden when it was all sort of left up to our own decisions and chance as to whether or not this will work out in what we have determined our meaning to be. And ultimately, throughout all of scriptures, especially in these wisdom literature books of the Bible, such as Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, like this meaning of life question. I mean, ultimately Solomon wraps it up and says, all is vanity. If we're gonna leave it up to us to figure it out, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be vanity. It's, it's, it's gonna be an absolute, it's gonna be a mess. And so, and so I think, I think with the table, I think with, with communion, I think with all that God has done in sending his, his son into the world, it would sort of be like a tragic error and mistake on our part to miss the meaning of it all, church. So let's make it count. Let's make it count. Where are... Uh, what would what, what, we say earlier? Where, where our voice is. What's going to be my tune? Where, where my time is. How much time is left? Where my treasure is concerned. That which has been entrusted to me to be a good steward of. Where the treasure is concerned and and where my, my target is concerned. Maybe, maybe some, some helpful thoughts on this, and then we'll celebrate the family meal. Set a clamp. That's what he says right out of the gate in Psalm 39. He's like, look at it again with me. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I'll restrain my mouth with a muzzle. I found a little, this, like, how about a clamp? There it is, right there. Okay. I know, but sometimes Bonnie really wants to use this on me. Sometimes. Sometimes maybe we just need to set a clamp. 
over what we're about to say. Um, so we don't say it. That's what David's saying. So I don't say it. So I don't just become like everybody else who's saying it. Set a clamp on it. Set a clamp on it, Charlie. The gossip and the complaining and the slandering and the, and the ripping and the railing. I know, I know there's like tons of fuel for us just to spew. Turn to Psalm 141, please. Turn to Psalm 141. 141 um, sort of circles back to hear what David is declaring in Psalm 39. Psalm 141 a psalm of David. Look what he says here. Psalm one. You got it. Say, so got it. Lord, I cry out to. I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Okay. Verse three. Set a guard. O Lord. Set a guard. So I don't know, I guess it could be a clamp or a muzzle or, or an angel. How about that, an angel, an angel that would just guard these two flapping lips, this gatehouse right here. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Don't. Don't incline my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity and do not let me, look at this, eat of their delicacies. Isn't that wild? Because it does, it sounds like really enticing to just sort of like complain. We got a ton right now to complain about. I get it. That's why we need a clamp. Clamp it down. The gossip and the ripping and the railing and, and, and uh, there's no shortage of material right now. But here David is saying, I'm not going to be about it because I don't want to destroy my witness before the world. I'm a sojourner here. This isn't home. I'm an alien here. It's a mess. But I'm anchored from above. And so he clamps it down. In other words, back to 39, back to Psalm 39. He's like, he's like, in other words, there's no time for this. I don't have time to like enter into all of the slander and the gossip and the and, and, and the ripping. And, and, and there's no time because the clock is ticking. Set a clamp and set a clock. Grant me to know the measure of my days. Make me to know my end. David's visual here is like, I want to make sure that my days are counting. Let's make it count, church. Isn't that good? That regardless of what's happened or what we've been through, this is a new marker. This is a new day. It's what communion provides. Dear friend, it's a clean slate. It's a new beginning. It's a new week. It's a new month. You're entering into a, 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 a new season now. Summer's upon you. What are you going to do? I'm going to set a clamp. I ain't going to enter into all the bickering that's going on. Zip it. Don't you wish you would have? Like, you're like, where was this message? A month ago, I'd love to hit, like, rewind on that. 
right? It's the new start. It's the power of the meal. Set a clamp on it. Set a clock on it. Set a clock and say, I don't want to waste my, I don't want to waste my days. I want my days to count. David's visual is if we count the days, we'll make the days count. It's a mere breath. It's over. Say la. Take a breath. Because your life is but vapor. It's, it's more, pre- more precise. Look what he says here. He says, he says in verse 5, you've made my days as hand breaths. You know what that is? Guys, you know what that is? That's the old school manner of measurement. Before the, before the tape measures came along, I know, I'm a prop guy. No ropes today, but there it is. Before this comes along, do you know how Noah's measuring? Hand breaths. The breadth of a man's hand. And he goes, he goes plural. He's like, your life is really no more than, than two of them. You got about eight inches to work with here. Make it count. Make it count. He, he, he hasn't said anything for a long time. He's been, he's been silent. He's been musing. He's been thinking. He's been meditating. And when he does speak, when he finally does say something, he doesn't say, wipe out all the enemies, man. They're driving me nuts. Get rid of this goofball. He doesn't say, heal me of all my infirmities. He says, he says how much time? How much time is left? And he sets a clock. So if you were to set a clock, like just some like visual that David's using, you said like every, every marble is a week of your life. Every, every marble is a week. So that, there, that was a big week right there. That was bigger than normal. Then you would have in this jar right here, uh, represented in, in weeks, you would have exactly 25 years. Like, oh, I, I the next 25 years. And some of you are like, I don't know if I have 25 years left. I don't either. I don't know. Only God knows. But if I had a visual like this, it sort of said, okay, um, Botsford, in 25, you're 85. You going for 85? Because let's make it count. Some of you are like, 25, man, I've got... So much more than that left in the tank. So much more of that left in the jar. We did a wedding here. Uh, I guess it was on Friday. We did a, a wedding for a couple. Grew up here in the church. Since moved away, I think, to Texas and now live in Arizona. He's in flight school. But in getting married, they wanted to get married here because this place meant that much to them in their growing up. 
Plus, it's 130 in Arizona, so they wanted to get... <laughs> no, I think it's because of what this place meant. And I'm thinking to myself, that couple just starting off in their wedding, and they might be here this morning because they said, we're actually going to delay our honeymoon flight to Hawaii so we can come to church here. It means that much to them, like they're honeymooning at Horizon this morning, hallelujah. And I'm thinking to myself, they've got a lot of life in the jar. They've got a lot of life left. But if you had a jar like this and you're like, well, that represents the next 25 years, and each week you pulled a marble out, just as a friendly reminder that you are, in fact, losing your marble. <laughs> what, what are you going to... David's like, let's set a clock because, because true freedom for us, spiritually speaking, means that we're not questioning about the meaning anymore. We, we have discovered both from, from our tune, from our, from our lips, we're just going to clap down on just entering into the fodder of this day. And, and, we're, and, we're, and our time, he's like, we're on mission here. We're on mission. True freedom is in realizing the mission that we're on and, and, and then measuring that out and ultimately saying, where, where do I want to end? What's, what's my goal? What is my target when it's all said and done? And then reverse engineering our life to make sure that we don't miss that target, that we don't drift, that we're not off course. And I used to think, like, a host of options of people right now in your world that are wanting to shape these days for you. That should be the Lord and his spirit and his, and his spirit alone through his word that would be guiding your days and shaping your heart and, and, and keeping you on, on mission. I don't think he's like just crying out anything. He's, he's like, this, I've seen everybody else out there just going for the, going for the dough, going for the cash, going for, and, and he's like, no, no, no. Um, yeah, I gotta, um, I gotta find a calling. How about that, you guys? Setting, setting a clock setting a clamp, and then finding a calling and cash in on that call. And again, it could be military, it could be medical, it could be legal, it could be teaching. It doesn't matter what. What matters is who you're becoming with the days that you have and that with the resources that you have. This is just not squandering it all on ourselves, but being useful as a vehicle and, and, and tool and instrument in seeing his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven to find truly a, a, a mission and calling of our lives and to cash in on that. Invest in that. Go after that with all that you've got. And just make sure that the cry of your heart is, is, is in response to his commands. It, it would be a, a, a commanded cry. 
commanded cry that ultimately keeps you on target, that he cries out and says, my hope is in you. I see what everything else is, is, is happening. It's like that and this and that and what they're saying, what they're saying. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's you. A cry of my heart in response to your commands. Let me show you this. We'll pray. Turn to Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to wrap up with this. The band will come out and, and the men will come forward and, and we'll celebrate communion. But I spend a lot of time these days in Hebrews, and maybe we're headed there. I don't know, we're really enjoying so much the Psalms, but also just see the compliment of, of, of what God is saying and speaking in to certain circumstances and situations where, 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 where church and life, families are concerned. In Hebrews chapter 12, man, this sums it up. Everything that David is, is searching out for and desiring to discover where meaning is concerned is, is asked and answered in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since also we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight. The sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Some of, some of my favorite scripture right here. Let's run this race. Let's run it to win it, church. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the, at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. Victorious. Jesus wins. Keep your eye on him. We love this passage, Hebrews 12. Absolute faith. But skip down with me. Look at verse 18. Look at this compare and contrast that the writer of Hebrews takes us through. In verse 18 he says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. We're coming up to that day again where, where culture and society as a whole is begging that the truth of God not be spoken anymore. We don't want preachers like that anymore. We are living in a time right now, hello, memo. They don't want preaching like this. They want to discover, they want to self-determine their own meaning. And, and, and here, it's all going to circle back, full circle. It's going to come back to the time where they're begging that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Look at verse 20. Look at 20. 20 is an amazing parenthesis in your Bible. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches that mountain, it'll... It'll be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying with the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have not come, you've not come to that mountain. You've come to this mountain. You've come here to, to Calvary. To a place where Jesus Christ has suffered and died to win your war. And declare you victorious and more than a conqueror with all that life wants to throw in your face. You have not come to Mount Sinai where it can't be approached, where it can't be touched, where it can't be seen. You have 
come to Mount Zion. I pray with all my heart you have, and if not, you are right now. You are coming to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to a, to a innumerable company of angels, to the great assembly and the church of the firstborn who are, who are registered in heaven. Are, are, you, are you today? You're just like, registered in heaven. This is where I find meaning in my life. Meaning to my marbles. It comes from him. It comes from above. It comes from being a part of his family. The great and general assembly, the church of the firstborn, registered in heaven to God. The judge of all. The spirits of just men made perfect to Jesus. To Jesus, you guys. To Jesus, we raise our glass this morning. To Jesus, we commit our lives on mission. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks of better things than that of Abel. Better days ahead. The best is yet to come. Jesus wins. And he has laid down his life and shed his sinless blood to set you free. That is true freedom on 4th of July week. To the praise and to the glory of his name. So Lord, we thank you. We praise you and we give you our lives and ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're not an it, you're not a thing, you're, you're a person, you're the third member of the Trinity and we need you so much desperately in our lives right now. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, would you be that clamp that would just hold us in place firm, firmly rooted, planted securely upon the rock and foundation and truth of your word. Holy Spirit, be our helper, be our comforter, be our guide. Come upon us, fall fresh and new as we celebrate communion, Lord. And, and, and I pray, Holy Spirit, you would bring meaning to our marbles, to our life, to our days that we would Lord, put you first in our finances. We'd live on mission. And we wouldn't lose sight of the target. It's you, Jesus. It's always been you, and forever it will be you that we live for. And gunk might be exposed, junk might rise to the surface. It, it does for David. And he says, he says, look away, look away. Cut me some slack, give me a break. And here, here's what happened. God himself looked away as his son, our savior became sin on our behalf so that we might become the declared righteousness of God. It's the cross that takes away our shame, that erases all our mistakes, that swoops in and removes the stain, washes us clean, 
and sets us free. So Lord, in faith, I pray that as we partake and receive of these elements, you would do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or dream or hope or imagine this holiday weekend for we put all of our faith and all of our trust and all of our hope in you both now and forever in Jesus name and to his glory amen